What's going on, podcast people? Welcome back to the show. This is the Zero to Here podcast. On tonight's show, business leader, business coach, leadership coach, Sarah McCabe. This is a really fun conversation. We literally talk about uh, a little bit of everything. Uh, check it out. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And also, we would love for you to hit that subscribe button. But I have a question before we switch, switch sure. topic. Okay, what if you have an opportunity to build a basement suite mm -hmm. and a garden suite? Is it just strictly like what a house is actually capable of doing as to why you would build a garden suite versus a basement suite? And is there actually any difference between a garden suite and a basement suite? Like an above ground basement? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Are we starting? I'm recording, but well, yeah, let's. Why can't we talk about real estate? We can. Okay, perfect. Uh, <clears throat> when you're building new construction, yeah, there's height restrictions on how high you can build. So if you want to build a three-story home, you have to dig down. Does that oh, make sense? Okay. I don't. Every municipality is a little bit different. Every zoning is different. Okay. Um, some places in the Lower Mainland, because of what they're building, the material they're building on top of, you can't build basements. So you can only build two stories. But uh, if you're wanting to build a three-story home, there's height restrictions. So okay. that's why people build basements rather than three stories above ground because you, it's too high. You can't build that high. Okay. Okay, because I live in a garden suite, mm -hmm. and I just thought it was like a marketing term. Is it a new home? No. Yeah, okay. It's an old. It's like... That's probably two stories? Actually, I... With an attic, maybe? Yeah, I think yeah. it is that they've like converted and done something with. Yeah. But... Yeah, I was, I was like confused about that. Back in the day, the zoning and rules were pretty loose. <laughs> so. But I heard, maybe it was a rumor. I heard that they had not changed any of the zoning for like ev forever. Maybe that was just. Uh, they would definitely have adjusted what like new construction can be on that zoning. Mm. Like it changes all the time. Even I know New West best. New West is where we do like half of our business. And New West just changed the most common zoning, which is RS1, that garages, attached garages now count as square footage. Right? How do you feel know. about that? I am very upset because I have a house in New West on an RS1 zone, a very old one that I'm going to build on eventually. <laughs> and now my... What I wanted to have an attached garage, I'll probably have to do a detached garage so that I can make the house as big as I want it to be. What was, what's the reasoning behind that? Basically to detour or deter, excuse me, um, homeowners, new developers from building with attached garages. The city does not want attached garages. Why? That's a great question, Sarah. <laughs> I would love a real answer for that. <laughs> Why? <clears throat> Let's go talk to them about that. Uh, especially that makes no in, sense. there's like a little neighborhood called Queens Park in New West, and it's a lot of old homes, a lot heritage style homes, and they want the neighborhood to feel and look the same. So they don't like attached garages because as you're driving down the street, you're looking at garages rather than like cute craftsman style homes. Mm. 
Is that like in Vancouver where they decided to make that rule where it was like if you make a unique looking laneway or something like that, an original or different laneway, they pass laws fast? Like I heard that there was something that they were implementing where they were like, if this is designed and looks different, like we are more likely to pass it because they don't want a bunch of like sameness happening. Do you know? I don't know about I, that. I have no idea. I'm I've sure. never heard that. But I believe That would it. be difficult. You believe it? It's Vancouver. <laughs> See, I was surprised because I feel like Vancouver actually likes a lot of sameness. You think so? Yeah, just, just I mean, the bland. that's why the Vancouver special was invented. Like Ugh. all of those like little, little Juliet cheap, yeah. balconies Ugh. up top that yeah. make no friggin' sense. Now it's changed to like what basically looks like a box, but like a modern box. And Vancouver has decided that that's like the next coolest thing. There's not a lot of people you see that are doing very different architecture, which I have my own theory as to why, because the land costs so much that they're like, cool, I just spent all the money acquiring this <laughs> exactly plot of it. land. I will not have any money left to get crazy and do creative things. That's just my, I know nothing about this. <clears throat> that's my uneducated guess. Well, that's why these new condos aren't built that well, right? Because like you said, the property is so expensive that you have to take a cut in the materials and the labor. So then this is what you get. Mm-hmm. It is getting better, though. I will give it that. So a lot of new ar architecture in single-family homes through Greater Vancouver is either those modern types, which are hit and miss for me, mm -hmm. uh, the very boxy with, like, cedar outside, flat roofs. It's a thing. They're hit and miss for me. Some yeah. of them are designed really well and look great. Others, you can tell, were really cheaply done. Or, like, that craftsman-style home, which I prefer, with, like, peaked roofs. Yep. Dormers. What's know. a dormer? A dormer. Great question. <laughs> Usually a window attached to it that comes out of the roof line. So if the roof is like this, yeah. a dormer would be like a little roof line with a window coming out. Oh, that's kind of cool. I'll Google it and show you a photo. <laughs> I love a craftsman though. So when you, like going back to the 70s though, you had all those ugly stucco <laughs> like boxes. <laughs> no rain screens. specials. Yeah. And then you're going into the 90s where they just built as cheap as absolute possible and you get these ugly stucco brown duplexes that are already whatever. falling apart and need to be redeveloped, which yes. is ridiculous. They're 25 years old. Is that know. 25 years, though? A home? A, there's so many homes throughout Greater Vancouver that were built in like the 40s, 50s that are just bulletproof. That will last forever if you want them to. But the 90s... 80s 90s construction was it just, just because the materials like that they were using yeah they're cheap wood wood was different lumber was different back then it's all everything's cheaper these days everything although well those are dormer okay whoa yeah you like a real traditional i like craftsman Tra craftsman to me is traditional uh i think they're cute <laughs> <laughs> i think it's cute and i like it what's wrong with that I like the like. That would be craftsman. Yeah. Doesn't that look traditional? Don't you just want a white picket fence with that? Potentially. But it, it's pretty cute, right? Yeah, for Thank sure. You. I have no problem. I'm all <laughs> like, if it's done well. For sure. I like They're cheaper it. to build than modern. Really? Yeah. Because usually modern ha is like living, living room or sorry, main floor is just like one big open space. Yes. And so to support that one big open space, you usually, <clears throat> and it depends how big the space is, but you need steel beams. 
to run oh, through okay. the roof yep, yep, yep. <clears throat> to support the weight. And that's a lot more expensive hmm. than like having pillars or more closed off type rooms. Does Vancouver have any of the, I don't know what they're called. What are those 70, 70 style ones where everything is on one level basically? And they always have those like pitched roofs like that. What the hell are they called? Like if you think about Palm 70s. Springs, you know, when you think about Palm Springs, <clears throat> those like mid-century. The Spanish style ones? Like what are they called? That it is a style of house. It could be mid-century modern. You like those or no? I do. You do, eh? But I would redo it. But I hate saying mid-century modern because let's be honest, guys, it's way overused at this point. <laughs> it is definitely overused. It's pretty barfy. <laughs> but like if you did it right, I think it could look really cool. Like that? Yeah. Mid-century modern. That's what That's actually that's, what that's you call it. Them. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. this guy that why if you like, I don't know if you're in, if you guys are into like, you know, design and all of those things. There's a guy named Eric Treen on Instagram who um he builds furniture and stuff like that. He just flipped one of those houses in California and I was like, yeah. That's the coolest thing ever. I wish I could do that. You don't see a lot of them in Vancouver, though. No, there's not as many, for sure. I just did a big reno on a craftsman-style home yeah. in uh, New West. I think I saw you on Instagram giving a, giving a tour. Mm-hmm. Looked it looked good. cool. Yeah. It came out really good. So did you, did, you, did you do that? No. 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 Next one. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I gotta start with changing a doorknob and a door first. And yeah, work my way up. I mean, it's just you gotta test where someone's skills are at. <laughs> exactly right. So yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I get it. Like we signed a what? What did we sign at the beginning? A three episode contract just to see how the podcast would turn out. Stop. I guess I passed. Stop. I'm joking. <laughs> I actually I'm think joking. that's awesome. I was actually was gonna have so much respect for that. As a big fan of contracts, I know you are. Yeah, I'm all about getting shit in writing. Mm. Yeah, I just, I, that's why I was like, actually, I deeply respect if you did that. <laughs> that's a good move. Carl, what do we have in writing? So what, if you don't get a certain amount of views, we cut it? <laughs> <laughs> it should be. He's like, all I do is edit it. How that's is your this my problem? Yeah. <laughs> your one was a trial run, Carl. <laughs> I just edited in someone else's voice. <laughs> <laughs> you're 70, if you're 76 episodes in... You got the job. You're killing it. I hope so. Yeah. You're a fixture. You're a staple. You can't do it now without him. <laughs> or is one year contract is running out. <laughs> yeah, you should re- renegotiate. It's my last month. <laughs> you should renegotiate because you're coming up on a year. So come to the meeting prepared with stats on why he needs you to do this. Oh, he fucking knows I need him. <laughs> I don't have a clue what he does back there. Seriously, it's Just like magic Adobe to me. Audition. I show up, talk, a week later, it's everywhere. <laughs> Stop. I have no clue. Can you edit video? Yeah, we do. We do a video we do portion on YouTube. YouTube as well. Do people hire you to do this? Funny story. They're starting to. Okay. It's mostly just through like people that we have on the podcast yeah. who talk about yeah. wanting to start a podcast. Because mm-hmm. I'm starting to do videos. And I solicit Carl out to them. That's a great friend move. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like people come on the podcast and they're like, oh, I want to start my own. Kind of start looking around and, and they contact me. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's kind of, you have like an, you. it's such a great in because honestly, you can be like, for sure, 
go home and try it. Exactly. And then someone's going to get frustrated after approximately 45 minutes and mm-hmm. they're going to be like, I need him. Mm-hmm. I need him. You don't even have to sell yourself. You just have to wait for people to get just sick do of it. it. Do it yourself and uh, mm-hmm. use my number. Yeah. He currently does three. Okay. All of which are mine. <laughs> 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 but I say by this time next year, you are doing like, well, if you want to do them, probably six. Mm-hmm. There, yeah, there's been a few people recently that have emailed. It comes into like interference with my main job. I was Well, that's what I, was yeah. going to be my next question. What are your thoughts and feelings on that? Is tell that your, something that would excite you? Tell your dad you? you need an extended leave of yeah, absence. No, I'm excited. <laughs> I think I'm going to yeah start taking a little bit of time off my main job and start doing this more and more and just see where it goes. But I, I love construction too. Like, I don't know. I want to do it all. Turn that and just flip it. Turn that into a hobby. I mean, that's like, honestly, it's it's like my partner. He flies planes like that's his big boy job but he builds furniture and sells it so like he has a thing you know i just feel like like that construction like it's so useful in life like i've just i've learned so many things and i just you know i like being useful (laughs) with the other like potential for a guy like carl is to start like a consulting coaching type of business right for people wanting to start podcasts Mm -hmm. here's like whatever a starter pack yeah yeah Here's yeah. the bare minimum. Yeah. This is the equipment you need. This is how you post to whatever the hell you do on there. <laughs> this is a You're quick like, intro. I literally editing. have no idea. <laughs> Just show up and talk. No, I have no clue. That's actually, that's, no, I'm serious. I'm jealous. That's actually fantastic. Because then he's not bogged down with this stuff, right? He just focuses on the convo, for, focuses on the podcast, on the material. <laughs> I deal with all this. You guys have a great setup. Thank you. Good so far, you. so good. Yeah, don't, no kidding. Don't steal him. Yeah, no kidding. I'm like, so the YouTube videos, I know that I hate editing things. What's the turnaround time on that? The thing with the, our YouTube is kind of like our podcast. I just put the whole thing up, so it's not too bad. So wait, do you cut out anything? Sometimes. We've had a few guests that really? have asked us to cut it out. Don't you love it when people ask you to cut things out? We've only had two. Two out of 75 yeah. is not bad. That's actually not bad. Mm. No one walking away being like, what the fuck did I just say? Surprisingly, not so much, mm-hmm. no. Oh. And it was only because one, <clears throat> the one of the girls we had on work for a big corporation, she's just like, I don't know how they're going to perceive that, so let's just take it out, which is fine. But most people that, most of the people we have on are self-employed, and so they just don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, yeah. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. I did an interview once, and it was uh, such an awesome interview. I was so stoked on it. And then literally the next day, she was like, um, you can't post any of that. Really? None of it. Can't use it. And I was like, there's nothing that we can use? She's like, no, not a damn thing. So like, but why? So you get out of the convo and you reflect what you said and you just don't, I don't understand. Are you not being yourself? Uh, She worked for the government. Oh. But you should kind of know beforehand what you can say, right? You would think so. But I think what it is sometimes is that I'm so great at getting people to talk (laughs) that there is a tendency at times to overshare. Mm. And I think for people who aren't necessarily, who don't do it all the time. Totally aren't used to having those conversations for sure sometimes they aren't like always aware of what they're saying and then they leave and there there's like a panic moment but it's funny because i've been on other podcasts and i've signed uh away basically being like you can do whatever you want with this like really? i have no say in this oh. yeah no i guess we have never had that problem 
the For, like or we just go the Joe Rogan Rogan route and just have everything live stream. So too bad. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> Can't it <laughs> But like from my understanding of Canadian law and recording, as long as one person knows that the recording is happening, the other person doesn't even need to know. That's why like wiretap wiretaps work. But, but like me as a third person, I wouldn't be able to record both of you and have like other of you not know about it. One of you has to know for it to be legal. Oh, is that correct? See, that's my understanding. That's or is crazy. that law enforcement? You think public? You think I can call someone right now and record the conversation and use it against them? I feel uh, like that feels not legal. Yeah. What have so? you been doing? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Carl has a lot of shit he has to delete on there. Right <laughs> because I so like. But how instance, how does a wiretap work then? I don't. I mm, that's you can a tap good people's question. phones, right? The government does that all the time. Tis true, but I felt like that's because they had some sort of. I don't know warrant situation type yes. thing. Yes, like they they yes. But then you'd have to present that warrant to the person you're recording, which would technically make it all void, right? I guess maybe that's because I record coaching calls uh-huh. with clients. So that they can listen back to it again. Mm. But I always like I double check. I'm like, just so you know, I'm recording this. Mm-hmm. If you don't want me to, I won't. But you know, I thought I had mm. to make them aware. Even when you call like agreement. a bank or a big corporation, at the beginning of the call, they say We're recording. this is being recorded. Yeah, so maybe yeah. you have to let the other person know. Do you have to tell the other person? Hmm. <laughs> but then how does it wiretap once again? I don't know. Maybe there's different rules for law enforcement or some I sort of paperwork got, like, that they have to go through pass. to prove that Cause like, they I, need this. Like I know in a public spot, you can't record just random audio. Like for like security cameras, you can't have audio in public places. But if one person knows that the recording's happening, that's my understanding. Really? Mm. Mm. So wait, if I went into public with a recorder and I recorded it. Yeah, you can do that. Oh, okay. I can take public I thought video. you were like, I can't record in public. And I was like, no. <laughs> God, that's weird. But like, you can no, trick someone into recording. You can't. Them and they don't know it. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to like leave a camera at a location and have record that conversation with you not being there, being part of the conversation. Does that make sense? Okay, but wait. So mm-hmm. based on what you're saying, we could effectively collude and trick this guy into saying something. Oh, and release it and ruin his life. Hiding yeah. nothing. I will say everything right now. <laughs> Go for it. Ask the question. I have no you desire to, to trick, trick you. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't want to trick you. I'm, I'm good. pretty sure everyone knows everything anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just say things on social media. Yeah, that's the beauty where, of social media. At this where point. does it? Were you always like this, or did you work your way up? I think I've grown into it. Yeah, a little bit. you were more hesitant when you first started. I was shy as a kid. Yeah. Oh, uh, when I started the podcast. Yeah. No. But even like was, being being yourself and having just people like think things about you. Did that ever bother you? I learned along the way that I can't let it affect me because no. There's always going to be people that hate. Always. And most of the time, it's their insecurities that they're portraying onto other people. And so when I figured that out, I just thought, well, how can I control what someone else is thinking? Mm-hmm. So no, not at all anymore. Whoa. I'll tell people to go fuck themselves. I don't really <laughs> care. Whoa. Good for you. It, didn't, it took a while. You don't have moments, though? Moments of where you're like, oh, going back. Maybe you shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Um, or you like post something and you're like, not sure. Sh- I, I don't have moments of shouldn't have said that if it is honest. It's more, I could have presented it in a different way. I could have said it differently. 
Mm. So like in the heat of the moment, I'll say honest things that come out as very aggressive when they could have been toned down a little bit and get maybe had a better response. Ooh, yeah. I used to do that a lot. Mm. I used to be aggressive. Mm. I don't know why. I think that, but in terms of like wishing I could take something back, not that I can remember. If it's honest, why would you want to take it back? Well, I think kind of what you said, though, is that it could have been received better. So potentially the impact of your words hurt someone. Mm-hmm. Even though it's true, if you phrased it better, it could have landed better and therefore not hurt someone's feelings. Mm-hmm. That's but what I think true, about. If it's true, they should know about it. Or if it's true, and I'm assuming it's something negative, if it's hurting their feelings, why am I even spending time with that person? But I mean, think about it though. Mm -hmm. Think about a friend that you have. Mm -hmm. You can love someone and you can totally be behind them. And Mm -hmm. then sometimes they just do dumb stuff. Yep. And it's funny because I always used to be of the opinion that, like, I'm going to tell you how dumb you're being right now. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, people actually know that they're doing that. So, there really isn't much of a need for you to do it unless they're like, what do you think about this thing that I'm doing? In which case, open season, I get, you asked, so sure. now I'm going to tell yeah. you. Yeah. I and agree. I, about it. I totally agree with that. Is I'm hesitant to give opinions unless people are asking me for them. Right? Like not, not everything I do in business and personal life is going to work for someone else. Yes. But I feel like I'm on this road to figuring out how it all works for me. Mm. So I'm happy to share experiences and setbacks that I've had and how I've got through them. Mm-hmm. If someone wants to take something away from that, great. But in terms of like, if I see someone doing something wrong, I'm not going out of my way to say, I do it like this. You should do it like this. That's good. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. What have been some of your biggest learning lessons? Oh, on the I spot. I like how we turn this around here. Good thing I made this fucking <laughs> note. <laughs> it's not on there. Uh, Sarah's um, interviewing you now. <laughs> First big learning lesson back probably to sports in grade uh, 11 or 12. Uh, I was a pretty good basketball player growing up, played mm-hmm. provincial team. We lost in the national championship by two. I was one of the best players in the tournament. <laughs> no, ser- well, I got a first team all-star and I scored zero <laughs> points in the final. So I must have had a decent tournament. Uh, so that was a big learning lesson. Just figuring out that. Failure? Well, sports was my identity growing up. Oh, uh, okay. hundred percent. Yep. I didn't know anything else. And so looking back, it kind of helped me figure out that I'm. There's other good thing qualities about me mm-hmm. than just basketball. Uh, it was tough though. Oh yeah, it wasn't an easy thing to. I get mean, there. losing. Mm. I, I mean, I so high growing up. I danced competitively and I played soccer competitively, mm-hmm. and I'm just a competitive person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you lose, and especially when you lose when you're younger, for some reason it just feels like all that much more heartbreaking. I was such you're a like bad devastated. Too. Oh, I know. I'm much better now. I don't know that I am. I'm going to be honest with you. I go home and I, I mean, I take the L, but I go home and I'm like <laughs> upset about it. <laughs> so my family doesn't play board games anymore. <laughs> like people care. <laughs> I've thrown, I've thrown 
Monopoly. little pieces of uh, what's that cranium? Pieces of cranium into a lit fire. <laughs> I was gonna say risk because that ruins friendships, but. <laughs> That in Monopoly. Monopoly, Monopoly yes. is just like to end everything. Mm-hmm. I flipped over a table once playing Monopoly with my brother and my family. I was pissed. I'm super happy that you brought that up. Just the board game thing. Because I remember well, I was probably like 14. I was playing chess. I, I For some reason, I really got into chess when I was 14. I respect that. And I had this little, it was like a little foldable table where the pieces go inside. I was playing against my brother. I don't know if he, like, I thought he cheated or something happened. <laughs> Always that. Oh, and yeah. I snapped the board in half. And I didn't play chess anymore. That was the end of my chess career. Don't you love it, though? You're like, that is a bit, I got carried away. But there's just, I th- and it's interesting, too, though, because I think, I don't know if you ever lose that competitive I don't think edge. so. Like, you learn to handle always- it better. Yeah. If you're just born that way, you're just always going to be competitive. You learn how to maybe like deal with it a little bit yeah. better, but you still care a lot. Oh, Even sure. if people are like, this is a casual game of whatever. You're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to, I want to beat There's you. no such thing as casual. <laughs> yeah. Even just, so that game, that uh, national championship, you get a silver medal. And I fucking hate silver medals. It's such garbage. Why do they even give them out, Carl? I remember getting it and they have to put it around your neck and I just grabbed it from the guy and walked off the court and just kind of chucked it at the wall. Ooh. The coach wasn't happy about that. Unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah, the game was over. doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I at least took my medals and was like, oh, I would go home and cry. I didn't cry. want it to go on. For some reason, I didn't want it to go on my head. Would, I would just go home and cry. If you had your mindset now, would it be different or would it be the same? With your ability to deal with losses right now, would you still... Would you accept the silver medal or would you still toss it? Well, the good thing about business is they don't give out shit medals like <laughs> silver. Thanks for coming out. Um, <laughs> I wish they gave you a participation badge. <laughs> Some days you're like, that's all I want. I am out here participating. Give me some recognition. <laughs> Are you talking about Carl specifically? No. Oh, okay. I mean, just in general, like okay. business. I wish you got a participation badge. Do you? I would. Yes. Mm. Yes. I don't know. How I feel when about you that. said that, when you asked that question, the very first thing that popped into my head is like, you, in in some form or another, not every day, but I mean, at least every week or a month or you're like you're taking losses. Oh yeah. As running your own business, and so like I loved that question. I thought that was a fantastic question because honestly you have to get better at losing when you're running your own business. I know mm-hmm. that sounds weird, but it's like you have to be able to come back from that and handle it better. Because you have to lose a lot to be successful, right? You kind of do. I think you always are losing. Mm-hmm. Everything is losing. It's, uh, it sounds so you very, just get better it sounds at very it. negative. You, you just use losses to propel you forward. Mm-hmm. I don't, I guess it's difficult. Every business is a little bit different. Really. Fred, from a real estate perspective, sure, there's wins. Selling a property is a win. Sure, you get paid. But like throughout one transaction, there's so many losses that result to one smaller win. So I feel like most... Elaborate on that. Uh, well, even like going into a listing appointment, we don't get all listing appointments. So some listing appointments are losses. Some listing appointments we don't want, but some listing appointments are losses. Then once the transaction actually happens, there's 
a ton of communication with clients and there's always room for improvement on how you relay information to someone. So like every single day is a learning process just in terms of like, because everyone receives information so differently. Mm -hmm. The way I tell Carl about how his open house went would be different than the way I tell you about how your open house went. Mm. Just based on how you're going to receive information. If I tell Carl, we had a super busy open house, there's 15 um, groups that came through. Seven of them said they absolutely loved it. Maybe Carl is the type of person that assumes that means we're getting multiple offers. Mm-hmm. In a this is super real estate specific, but um, in a market like today, that doesn't mean anything. So just learning how to communicate to different people mm. so that they so that what you're trying to get across actually gets across rather than them picking out one or two words that you said in a specific yes. way and assuming something else. I don't think that's real estate specific. You're right, but that example was obviously very, yeah. very specific. I've I've managed a ton of different humans, mm-hmm. and every time it's just like, who knows what I'm walking into? Mm-hmm. I'm saying the same thing to everyone, but they're all walking away with a very different feeling, and for some reason, a different a different interpretation mm-hmm. of the thing that I said. That's a fan- a fantastic skill to have, honestly, How- to be able to understand like what style of communication this person needs from me. Yeah. So like, so that my message lands the right way. How do you go about finding that out? Oh God. I, (laughs) it's not really, I've gotten so much better at this. Okay. But I want to hear your answer first. A lot of failing. Okay. Not to just like come full circle on the failing Mm -hmm. bit. But I remember when I first started managing people, I really honestly, like there was first, first and foremost, I had no leadership style. Mm -hmm. So I was just behaving a certain way because I truly thought that that was, the way to do it, um, which was this like very robotic, unemotional, kind of detached, just like do it because I said so yeah. kind of mentality. And there wasn't any taking into consideration who someone is or their history or any of those things. Totally. And honestly, not even just the common courtesy of asking someone, hey, how do you like to receive feedback? Or like, <laughs> what's the best way for me to communicate with you? I just didn't even give anyone that. Mm-hmm common courtesy yeah um so i think that has obviously changed a lot but i think now when i'm talking to someone so much of what you said at the beginning of us even just talking about how do you interview someone better this right here is like fantastic practice because you're you're observing them Mm -hmm. so like from the very first moment that i start talking to someone i'm like oh okay like what's this person like what are they doing how are they carrying themselves if I'm like a little bit louder, do I notice that they're like coming to m- meet me at that level? Mm-hmm. Or are they someone who's like, oh God, that's a lot. And then I'm like, cool, I'm gonna have to take it down. We're gonna take it down. Totally. Um, so it's just this like weird kind of like volleying like tennis, like I'm giving you something and I'm gonna see how I'm getting that back. And then I'm adjusting based on what they're doing. And mm-hmm. that unfortunately is just something that you have to like trial and error. For sure. To be able to figure out, which is kind of cool and also uncomfortable sometimes because at the beginning, extremely uncomfortable. Oh, so bad. Mm -hmm. So bad. I've made a lot of people cry. I came in real (laughs) hot and heavy. Funny story I've actually made more men cry than women Mm -hmm. cry. Don't know why. Hmm. Yeah. How do you make it? What? (laughs) I've made business meetings? Yes. What are you saying to these people? In my office, Jesus. I've made more men cry. Like clients? Yeah. Huh. Right? And old employees. 
you know what? A lot of men are soft. And, and <laughs> okay, what I'm saying, no, no, no. let me expand. Whoa. Let me expand. <laughs> Which I support men being soft. Soft emotionally. And I what I mean it, by that is like, uh, society has taught us that men need to have this facade. Mm-hmm. You need to, everything needs to bounce off you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think a lot of us, one, I'm one included, should be able to express emotion better. Yes. And I'm trying. Podcast yes. helps. I would imagine it probably mm-hmm. would. This but is maybe the women are just you want to cry. Oh, I might. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the women are just more comfortable with it. You know, you want to know what it is? This is my theory. I think that a lot of guys um, have very rarely have a woman come up to them and tell them that what they're doing just isn't good enough. Yeah. And I think for some reason when that happens, brains just implode. <laughs> they're like, what? What do you mean? And I won't even say that's necessarily exclusive to, to men because that's unfair. Mm-hmm. I actually, there is something like very interesting with millennials that I've noticed where there very much is a desire to have that participation badge. Like mm. the fact that I tried is that's, hi, I showed up and I tried, like, give me my gold star. And my whole thing is like, it's great that you showed up. I am, I am acknowledging your effort, but unfortunately the effort doesn't always correlate to results. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, that's a hard pill to swallow. And especially if you've never had anyone tell you that. But you, before you said you liked the idea of participation medals. I know because now I've gotten softer. <laughs> the the old like I do, but I also this is my thing, and I know it sounds like in a weird way contradictory. I I always want to congratulate someone for showing up, and I will always acknowledge someone's effort. Hmm. But the reality is that effort does not always correlate to results. Sure, because sometimes that effort is misguided. Absolutely, right? That's and what I, I was even say. I even think about that for my own business, like. Yeah. Oh, cool. So I've been working for myself for a little over two and a half years. There have absolutely been moments in time where I felt like I was working my goddamn ass off. Mm-hmm. Did that correlate to any type of results? No, yeah. because I was misguided. I was mm-hmm. wasting my time doing shit that I did not need to do and or going in a completely wrong direction or an unfocused direction. So like, yes, I want a participation badge because I freaking showed up and I was trying, <laughs> but it just wasn't right. So, you know, whatever. You move on. You look like you had something to say. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, we're talking about reading people. Mm-hmm. What, I've, what I feel like I've gotten much better at in the last few years, listing appointments are intimidating. Any sales pitch is intimidating, especially early in your career. And you over-prepare in terms of like stats and, oh yeah, you know, writing out things that you want to say or want to get across. But what I've found so valuable is just starting conversations with questions. People, number one, people like talking about themselves. That's my number. Yeah. Everyone loves talking. So about asking themselves. questions, Actually, real estate specific again, is just like the first thing I'll say when I walk into a, a listing appointment is... Have you sold before? If the answer is yes, amazing. Because I'm going to get so much information from that next like three or four minutes. Mm -hmm. What was your last selling experience like? How was the realtor that you hired? 
Mm-hmm. Did they communicate well? Mm-hmm. How long did it take to sell? What was that experience like? Did you get feedback after showing? You know, just like continuous questions. And often you don't even need to ask many questions. Once you ask them, what was that previous sales experience or sale like? They'll talk for 15 minutes. They'll say, oh, yeah. well, I really liked this. I, I didn't like having open houses because all my neighbors came through. Uh, I felt like the agent didn't give us much feedback after showing, you know, like they'll just talk right away. And so when someone says, I didn't get enough feedback after showings, in my head, I'm like, communication is super important to them. I'm going to talk to them about how we communicate. Mm-hmm. Or if they say like, we're on market 60 days, we never got an update on what was going on in the neighborhood. Perfect. Analytics are important to them. They want to see a weekly list of what is sold, what anything else that's mm-hmm. come on the market that week in their neighborhood, whatever. So listening, I guess. Would be a summary. And knowing your audience, mm-hmm. because it's it, it's really funny. I was just, I kind of like gave a, a very informal coaching session to someone who was like, I want to be able to pitch better. Um, you've done a ton of public speaking and a ton of talking. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just please help me do this better? Mm-hmm. And so much of what I was saying is is that, is like you, yes, prepare to a certain point. Sure. You want to anticipate what you're walking into. Mm-hmm. So what you want to know, mm-hmm. is this someone who is all about the numbers and the facts? So I need to make sure that I have those at the ready that I can kind of just like For sure. recite these things because that makes them feel like I know what I'm talking about. For sure. Or am I trying to sell someone on this fantasy, this like dream? Which is kind of, the, I think, the interesting thing about being a realtor mm-hmm. because you kind of have to like weave both of those in, right? Absolutely. Because your ability to recite facts is what people go like, oh, well, he really knows what he's talking about. But at the end of the day, a, a home is so emotional for people. Absolutely. So you have to be able to kind of tap into that and be able to lean into that hole. Depends who it is too, right? If someone's been in their house for 30 years and it, oh, okay. they raised their family there, like it is a very emotional thing. Yes. Whereas like one of the listening apartments we walked into recently, the, one of the first things she said to us was, uh, we've interviewed other realtors. The last realtor just told us too many things. He showed us like 38 different listings that are available in this neighborhood right now. And we feel like two of them had any similarities to ours. So right away, I'm like, okay, no data. Done. Let's move on. What, what else is important? And so picking up on those little things early builds the connection mm-hmm. because they feel like they're being heard, right? Yes. Rather than just, here's my big sales pitch. Do you like it or not? Yes. Also, you have to know, though, that you're like not for everyone. Absolutely. Which is kind of empowering in a way. Absolutely. Where you're like, oh, that's okay. Like, I'm not, my personality is not for everyone. I was, mm-hmm. I literally was telling someone this this morning that now when I interview clients mm-hmm. or have any mm-hmm. kind of like first 30 minute call, whatever. It's more or less me being like, honestly, this is how I am. What do you need and what do you like? Because yes, I have the ability to adjust, make small adjustments, but mm. I'm going to be who I am. So if that's not going to work for you. One of my first <clears throat> very memorable meetings for real estate, I've been in real estate for five and a half years, maybe. Um, I met with one of the managing brokers at Sutton, which was the brokerage we were with, a couple months in. Mm-hmm. Just asking a bunch of questions. How's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And he says, what's your goal going into a listing appointment? I'm like, I want to get a listing. He's like, wrong. He's like, your goal should be going into a listing appointment. Is this client the right client for you? And do you want to work with them? 
which like just completely reframes your mindset going into those appointments. Yeah, mm-hmm. it absolutely does. But it, it's also interesting too, because I think until you have a really clear idea of the type of people that you want to work with. For sure. Yes, you're, you're just saying yes to a lot of things. But, and again, this was part of the conversation that I had this morning is now I know if someone's not willing to talk about budget right up front or tell me and be open and honest, like, hey, mm-hmm. I only have two grand to give you, but I would so love to have you create something. I'm that much more willing because I'm like, oh, this is someone who's willing to kind of show up, tell it like it is, mm-hmm. be honest, transparent, which are all kind of part of my value system. Mm-hmm. I'm so much more willing to work for someone like that versus the person who's like, I don't know, wanting to negotiate or never name a price mm-hmm. until I name a price, which is kind of my pet peeve. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because I'm like, you're, I'm setting myself up to fail. Like they're not even gonna tell me what they want. I'm just over here trying to guess. Like, no, I'm not going to set myself up to fail. Mm-hmm. So same, same in our industry is often, not often, I'd say it's like one or two out of 10 appointments now where you walk in and one of the first things they'll say is, what do you charge? Like, what's your commission? And so we'll tell them, and they're like, do you, like, we want, we want a discount. How about, how about X of this? And, and we're like, you haven't even heard what we have to say yet. You don't even know what we offer. You don't know like our tracker. You don't know anything about us. Yeah. And you're already asking for discount. Maybe our services is, are extremely undervalued yeah. if you would actually listen to all the things that we had to say. I know. But if you're just so concerned about like what you're going to be spending on something and the result of what you're spending on that something doesn't matter, yeah. then maybe we're not just not the right group to work with you. Have you ever had to fire? Do you guys fire clients? Occasionally. Mm, yeah. Had to fire clients. Occasionally. Like um, story time. <laughs> more. <laughs> Specific, uh, a specific example recently I can't remember of, but it's for us, it's more just saying no to listings. Mm, okay. So like someone will say, yes, we want to work with you, but we want to list at this. And we're like, it doesn't make sense there. Work with someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of like actually firing someone once we actually, once we take them on, rarely. Not often. Maybe once or twice a year, but not often. Oh, that's not that bad. No, it's not. How do you feel about doing We that? have to be chameleons, right? I'm, but here's we, the thing, though. I mean, maybe because my line of work, like, I can't be a chameleon. Sure. Like, I can to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Yes, I am adaptable. Mm-hmm. I can function in a lot of different environments. Yeah. If you want me to speak about business things, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I'll use all of the business terms. Uh, if you want me to not use any business terms and be super casual, that's cool, too. I can do that. Mm. Um, but I'm also always going to be me. Yeah. So to a certain extent, I really can't be a chameleon. Mm-hmm. I can't do those things. Like what you see is what you're going to get. And it, it's not adjusting like how we present properties, how we are at open houses, how we talk to buyers as they walk through the door. It's more just how information is relayed back. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, some people want to see those analytics every every week. What's going on in the neighborhood? Why haven't they sold? They've been on market three weeks. Why haven't they sold? Um, where others more just want the relationship, right? They want to be communicated with every day or every second day or whatever it is. So it's more just listening to people, understanding what they would like if from people you. People take anything away from this. Listen. It's the biggest thing. <laughs> it is, right? Yeah. I mean, that's uh, 90% of what I do. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very much in agreement. 
but I want to know, was there one client interaction where you did something that you walked away saying, hot damn, I would never do that again? Oh, I'm sure there's lots. Uh, Coming to mind? Probably just being defensive, like, especially in slow markets, um, clients will, it's always the realtor's fault. Mm-hmm. Their property isn't sold. It's been a market three weeks. A year and a half ago, when the market was crazy, their neighbor sold in three days. Why hasn't mine sold in three days? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's more just like keeping emotions under control when someone is verbally attacking you. And that happens fairly often right now. Uh, just to understand that he goes under- home and cries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever cried by something a client has said to me. I've definitely taken it to heart, but not. I don't know. See, if I've cried. there you go. Feel those feelings. <laughs> <laughs> at the okay, at the end of the day, I think the reason that I don't take it too seriously when being attacked is that I know I'm doing things the right way. We market better than most. I'd put our marketing up against anyone in greater Vancouver Mm. in terms of how we present properties online, how we gain more exposure to our listings than anyone else. So I know that we're doing things the right way. It's just, I can't control that the NDP puts in a 20% foreign buyer tax that slows the market. I can't control that the stress test comes in. Like all these things are outside of our control that are slowing market conditions down. Mm. And so we can market something extremely well. And it still might take 60 days to sell. It's just not a quick moving market. So understanding that we are doing things the right way. Um, but obviously, real estate is very emotional for a lot of people. And <laughs> Which uh, I understand. the one individual who they can verbally throw their frustrations out to is the person that is selling it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like one thing about... I mean, obviously, at the at the very start of my career, I I was in customer service. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the one thing that I do not miss. I don't miss being verbally assaulted <clears throat> every day. I know that's not fun. I was in Starbucks the other day, and I think one they had two coffee machines. One of them was not working, and one of the people behind the bar was on the phone with someone, like I guess trying to get a tech to come down and fix it. So there was a bit of a wait for coffee. Mm-hmm. And I, when I say a bit of a wait, instead of like two minutes for a latte, it was like five minutes. So it wasn't that the bad. <laughs> and one lady was furious. And in those situations, I always feel like I need to say something. Please, t- yes, please. No more bystanders. Right? Yes. Ooh. And I have done it at airports, actually. Really? You just call people out? One guy yeah. was losing his shit Relax. on some guy. <laughs> Usually, I, yeah. Please. The people that you're talking to often have zero responsibility in terms of how the problem can be solved. Right. Mm -hmm. So like with this WestJet guy, uh, a flight coming back to Vancouver had been delayed. Yeah. And we had a layover, layered over in Toronto and the flight out of Toronto was supposed to be at like, I don't know. It was like a late flight, 9 30 PM or something, but we didn't get into Toronto until like 10 30. So obviously we missed that flight Yeah, (laughs) and there wasn't any more flights. So at the WestJet counter, they're like, here's a list of hotels. We're really sorry. We'll book you on the next flight in the morning, but like you have to stay overnight. And this one guy was furious that WestJet would not pay for his hotel. And the guy behind the counter is just like, I'm really sorry. Like, you know, 
I'll give you a list of like the cheapest hotels in the neighborhood, but mm-hmm. it's the WestJet policy that we don't pay for hotels. And he's losing his, he's like swearing, yelling at this guy. And I go and put my hand around his, at it around his shoulder. I'm like, man, you have, you know that this guy has absolutely no pull in terms of giving you a free hotel, right? Yeah. You're just losing your mind for no reason. If you have a real problem, like <laughs> call the 1-800 number, wait on the phone for 45 minutes, then you can talk to someone who might be able to escalate it. What do you say to you? Oh, you just told me to fuck off. Really? And left, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But it got him out, and there was a line of like 30 people trying to get their flights switched, so at least they moved the line a little bit faster. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Because it is, it's ridiculous. Like, please always step in Mm -hmm. and just... Do you have a story? So many. (laughs) Are you kidding me? If you work any amount of time in customer service, sure. it's just it, like wild things are going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. So when I had just graduated from uh, from high school, I was working at a UPS store, which packages. Yep. People get very upset <laughs> about packages. I had a guy, um, I, I swear to God, it was probably like the 22nd or 23rd of December. And obviously, your package is not going to get there for Christmas, (laughs) sir. And he literally came across the counter. No way. If it wasn't for someone else being in the store, grabbing him, being like, relax, you need to leave. At the time, what? I was like 18? Yeah. And this guy was furious. I don't even, another time at a clothing store, I had a guy... I would not refund him. What was it? I don't know. Something like 20 or $40 for a pair of denim that he owned for a year <laughs> that he felt like. Probably worn and washed. Weren't a bunch of cutting times. it. Yeah. And he wanted his money back. Obviously, I can't do that. And again, I got called the C word. I got called a bitch. Just like everything under the sun that you could think to call someone. He called me. And it's like, when you think about it, you're like, $40, hey? That's why we're doing this. That's why we're behaving like this. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because there is, there's just something about customer service where it really makes you lose faith in humanity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because for some reason, people just start behaving in the wildest ways where you're like, I thought we were better than this. Do you ever try to think of it the other way? And in like a more empathetic way and think of what, Like, I feel bad that this person is struggling with something so bad that they're taking it out on me, who literally has nothing to do with them. I think it takes me a really long time to get to that point. Mm. So I'm going to be honest with you. I know this about myself now, and I'm totally comfortable saying this. I'm super sensitive. Mm -hmm. So working in those kinds of environments is why I I kind of started behaving in a certain way. Mm. So that's where I started getting that, like, tough shell and started to act like nothing yeah. mattered to me or bothered me and like, I don't give a shit and da 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 da. And that kind of started to spill into my personal life, to be totally honest. Yeah. But it was because of that that I tried to develop that. But really, truly, I, it was like, it bums it. Yeah, it, it does not feel good. No, no. And in time, if you gave me two days, I would be like, yes, it is sad that that person did that. But at the time, I'm like, oh. That sucks. That hurt my feelings. You just called me so many names <laughs> in front of everyone. <laughs> I bartended for five years. Yeah. 
So yeah, you're <laughs> laughing. Yeah. People would tell oh, me all man. the time. They would be like, Sarah, you should be a bartender. You you just got it. I think you could do it. And I'd be like, dear God. Socially, no. you dominate. You do really well. I think I would. Mm-hmm. I think I'm charming enough. You are charming. And I think I'm like good enough to be like, shut up. But I also <laughs> just don't. I just like know that I would be like, oh, that sucked. <laughs> like there'd be ridiculous things that people send back drinks and just be like, this is not a double. You're like. It's a double, you drunk fuck. Yeah, it right? is. <laughs> but actually, though, and no. And then the next drink, they'd watch you pour that. them. They'd watch yeah, yeah. you pour the shots in. True like, story. Is that a double? They're like, give it more. <laughs> I had a friend who owned a bar. Mm-hmm. And the way I said bar really makes me sound like I'm from Alberta. <laughs> I hear myself sometimes. This is where I think people are getting it. But no, I had a friend who did. And he told me that there were times where if someone came in and they were a little too intoxicated. He he's like, I have bottles that are not straight liquor. Okay, I've diluted them to you know make them feel like they're getting the shot that they've ordered without actually giving them the shot because at that point they don't know. And I was like, lies. Yeah, you need to be careful with that because that's illegal. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, you can't serve someone water and charge them for vodka. What about if it's like a mixture? Well, first of all, you're not supposed to mix. Fair play. I respect that. And I think it's BC Liquor Board is super strict on you can't have pre-mixed stuff. Because there's no way of them telling how much alcohol you actually put in. So you can't have like a pre-mixed whatever vodka, orange right. juice drink that you just have in a big bottle that you just pour as a full drink. You have to actually mix the drinks to prove, to show that you're actually show, putting like the in. the old Red Bull and vodka or whatever the hell god-awful mixture that was Mm -hmm. do you guys remember those days oh yeah of course i was like am i older than you no i feel like we're this do you remember that image i had that drink once red bull vodka oh yeah multiple times one time it was never a good idea never again (laughs) just one drink though and i went to lay my head on my pillow that night and i was like there'd be people do that again there'd be people that come into the bars and order double (gasps) vodka red bull all night have like nine of them do that i don't know did you do that no never, never. Just <laughs> you Jager seem like bombs. a mellow guy just jaeger bombs <laughs> carl would have nine jaeger bombs yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that is like that's such like a 2009 2010 kind of a i used to do that too i don't know why that's awful awful what do kids drink now carl i don't know what is it like those new drinks those soft vodka drinks at bars I don't know. Do they sell those at bars? There's got to be shops. Probably. They're so popular everywhere. I don't go out anymore. Neither do I. Whiskey shots? I like breweries. That's all. <laughs> We're like collectively, yeah. <laughs> no, I go out. I just, I'm not going to Caprice anymore. Is that even open? Is I don't that... know. Wait, did you grow up here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where? Uh, in the suburbs. Went to high school in Burnaby. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? Same thing. We went to high school school together. Oh, for God's sake, you guys. So this is like a long running. We've rekindled our relationship, yeah. We, well, as you can tell, Carl is aggressively tall. (laughs) Did you, wait, you played basketball together? We played basketball together, yeah. (laughs) I did comment on that. (laughs) Okay. And then you probably lost touch after high school. Mm -hmm. Wow, yeah, we did. Yeah. You know our whole story. I don't speak to anyone I went to high school with. Really? Really? No. Mm-hmm. That's, hmm. 
You were going to say that's weird. No, I it's don't okay. know. You can I don't say. think it's weird. I think, I don't a think lot it's of people weird. are like that. I think we're unique. You guys are unusual. Like we had a, a lot of my friends from high school. Yeah, we had a strange high school. It was really small. There was a, there was like a hundred kids in our graduating class. That is quite tiny. Yeah. Yeah, my graduating class was larger than that. What high school? Um, Saint Albert Catholic High School. Hmm. <laughs> we went we went to a Catholic high school in in Burnaby. Here's a funny story though. I'm not baptized. You didn't. I'm ha- also you didn't have not to be religious. at our school either. I'm not religious at all. I truly do not know why. My parents did that to Just because it's a private school, so it's fancier, Maybe better education. Mine wasn't more private, disciplined though. Even. Really? Yeah. yeah, so there's no private schools where I'm from. Hmm. When I moved, oh, it wasn't until... I thought private schools were uh, a U.S., like a, U- a United States kind of a deal. Hmm. I didn't think we had them until I moved here. And then people were like, oh, private school is fancy. <laughs> and I was like, what? Well, some this of them exists? are fancy. Ours was not fancy at all. Did you guys have uniform? Yes. <laughs> Well, we had a see? dress code. We had dress code, yeah. Wait. So like khakis and a polo. Yeah, you could wear whatever That's khakis you want. Uniform. That's a uniform. No, but some of the, <sighs> like St. George's, you have to wear a tie with the same sweater with the same white shirt. Every time. What did the girls wear? And dress shoes. They, they, they can wear pants or skirts or whatever. Yeah. Just so they, basically so just dress code, jeans. I guess, even an option. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. See, I didn't have any of that. That would not have gone over well <laughs> for me. But you got to decide what to wear every morning. That's what I loved. <laughs> I did go into fashion after high school, and then I realized that it's obviously an awful industry to work in, <laughs> but I was very into it, so that would have been not great. No, I wouldn't have liked that. Having to take religion class was enough for me. I took it in summer school to get it over with, and I made sure to tell the teacher that I was an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> that went over well, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Let's so just Max give her a B and move on. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> leave her on the side. She's going to stir the pot. We're just going <laughs> to, whatever, Sarah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like the confidence, though. Yeah. Day one. I was kind of delusional when I was younger. <laughs> to be honest, I think I was more confident hmm. when I was, I was like, so not, I don't know where I was living, but I was very confident. And then something happened when I turned about 28. I was like, oh, no. (laughs) What the fuck am I doing with my life? And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I don't know anything anymore. I'm questioning all of these things. So it goes from what the fuck am I doing with my life to I should teach other people how to run their businesses. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Luckily, I can help other people. It's mostly myself sometimes, Mm. like most humans, right? Where you're like, I can help you, but I sometimes can't help myself. (laughs) And it wasn't necessarily like, what am I? It was more like, that's when I decided to stop stop working for corporate companies. Mm -hmm. So that was when I had my table flip moment. And uh, with zero plan, just walked into work one day and said, I cannot do this for a second longer. Mm -hmm. Um, Type up my I quit letter, sent it, had no backup plan. And just walked right out that door. That was my like, what am I doing? That was pretty just, similar to me. You just past that point, right? You just can you can't do it anymore at all, no matter what. Yes. And, and I, I should have. I should have left so much sooner than I did. It had to get really, really bad. Like there was a lot of things that happened in that work environment that were what I would call even borderline abusive. 
um, like mentally abusive um, that I just put up with because to be honest, I was really chasing a title at one point in my life. I was mm. really, I was so close to becoming a director. Um, and I had felt like, well, for the last seven, at that point, it was like seven years of me grinding away, working 70 hour weeks to try and get that director title. Um, and for some reason, I felt like that would really validate totally. everything that I was doing. And I was like, you know what, just hold on, hold on. You can get that director title. And then I was just like, who are you kidding, Sarah? You're never, ev you're never going to get it with these people. They treat you like shit. And do you really want, do you really want to work for people? I'm not the kind of person that's, I'm not a great employee. I don't like working for other people. I ask too many questions. So from that point you left and you've been working for yourself ever since? Yes. <clears throat> True story. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and it was funny because that kind of happened on accident. That was not a plan. Why? I like this because I think the exact same way. Why do you think you're not a good employee? Because for, for me, I think it's, I need something motivating me. Mm -hmm. And so a $50,000 a year salary to me is not motivating. Mm -hmm. So I need something where the harder I work, the more effort I put in can be rewarded. Yeah. I agree with you to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. For me, the reason why I felt like I was not a great employee and I not thought, I know I'm not a great employee for, for most people. I'm just too much of a whistleblower. I really, um, I, I do. I ask, I interrogate. I wouldn't even say I ask a lot of questions. Like when it <laughs> came to my superiors, my style was less of I'm asking questions and more of I'm interrogating why we're doing this. And I, I'm not great at playing the game. Mm -hmm which I hate using that. But for my entire life, that was all everyone ever said to me. So, you know, even me in post-secondary, it was like, Sarah, play the game. Like your teachers would like you if you just played the game. And, you know, working in the corporate world, it was like, Sarah, just play the game. Mm -hmm. Your bosses would like you so much more if you just played the game. Mm -hmm. I can't fucking play the game. If I don't like what you're doing and I don't agree with it, I really can't go along with it. Like I have to say something. And I think for a lot of people, and certainly my, the people that were managing me who weren't secure in what they were doing, mm. um, it just was like, it was more hassle than it was reward. One of the most them. frustrating things for me when I was working for a big corporation was that's our policy. Mm. <laughs> and that's it. No, no, no. But it doesn't make any sense. Like the customers are upset. Right. I can do this another way that's going to make them happy. No, mm -hmm. that's our that's our policy. Why? It's the policy. Right? It's not an answer. It's not. <laughs> it's not. I got so I get I get so annoyed when process is valued more than people totally. are valued and I think that that was always my biggest frustration is that all of those companies um tout themselves and most companies tout themselves as companies that truly value people which I love, obviously. That's mm. like catnip for me. I freaking love people. <laughs> I want to help all of the people. Um, but when you really get into it, they value people until it's uh, inconvenient totally. to value people. Yeah. Um, and that's where I was just like, yeah, I can't do this because you guys are never going to. I think when you get that big, unfortunately, it becomes far more about numbers than it ever becomes about people. There's very few companies out there that truly are kind of walking the walk in that respect. Yeah. And so that's where I was like, nah, I just can't do this. I'm never going to find somewhere where I'm going to be happy. You might 
you know, check off a couple of those boxes, but truly you're never going to really satisfy totally those things. Like a year and a, a year, a year and a half into my real estate career, uh, my business partner, and I, were, I don't know what we're doing. We we're chatting about something and he like starts laughing and I'm like, what, what? He's like, you know, we're virtually unemployable now. <laughs> yeah. And I look at him and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, he's like, in no circumstance for the rest of my life, if I want to go out for a hike at 11 a.m. with my dogs, am I not going to do that because someone's telling me I can't do it? Mm-hmm. We'll work till 2 a.m., but the structure of the day, yeah. I just can't do it. Right? I can't do the 9 to 5. I can't, like, look forward to the Friday afternoon. I like, tried it. It just, it wasn't me. Even if your work is done, you have to stay there. Right. right? You just have to get your freaking hours in and pretend you're doing something. And that's <laughs> so, so killing. <laughs> I mean, which was like not always a bummer for me because to be honest, I was surrounded by so many people all the time that I'd be like, I'm going to go talk to people. I'm coaching them. <laughs> which is funny, but I like, I very much agree with you, but I do have to say it honestly. So yes. So what did I just say? Two and a half years of me working for myself. Honestly, wasn't until maybe about six months ago that I kind of started to embrace the whole. Totally. I get to make my own schedule. And if that means on a Tuesday, I really don't feel like doing anything. I don't do anything on the Tuesday. But on the Saturday, who knows if the mood strikes, I'll get a bunch of work done. Yeah. It, it Honestly, it took me a very long time <laughs> to kind of like get over that Monday to Friday, nine to five. These are the hours that I work mm-hmm. mentality. Or even the fact that I have to work five days a week. It's, it's, and sometimes I still feel really guilty if I don't, if I'm not putting in the hours or I'm not doing something, I'm like, Sarah, you're being a lazy piece of shit. Get in there and do it. I'm finally starting to be able to be like, no. Took me a while too. And it caused a lot of anxiety early in my career. Just like that voice in the back of my Mm -hmm. head all the time. And I was a workaholic in the first few years of real estate. And even, even on like Sundays when we work seven days a week. Yeah, you right? guys there do. It's very much off. a weekend kind of gig, isn't it? It's yeah, it's a three hundred and sixty-five day a year kind of gig. <laughs> even if you're out of town, like your phone is on all the time. You're on emails all the time. So like a day off out of town is like two to five hours of work. Okay. It doesn't really exist days off. I'm starting to like get to the point in my career where I can do it a little bit. Could you carve that out? Could you? Yeah. Yeah, you absolutely could. But but that email might always come in, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Early in my career, I never wanted to miss one opportunity. Just the deal was too important. Like if I lost one deal, it was a big deal. Whereas five years in now, losing one deal, one paycheck a year, is that going to make a big difference in my lifestyle? Probably not. So I'm less anxious on that one phone call. If there's a voicemail at 6 p.m. on a Sunday, probably answering it tomorrow morning. Yeah. Whereas like I would call back every single time right away for three years (laughs) at least. Do you not get to set those boundaries? Oh, you do. I just didn't want to. Oh, okay. I didn't want to. I was like too motivated to get established. Which is fair. Mm. Which is very fair. It was insanity. I don't want to do that. (laughs) (laughs) I have no desire to do that. It probably took years off my life, to be honest. I think I just did that. I did that too much in my, like, in my, in my previous work. Yeah. Where 
I was traveling a lot. I was like, there was a year where I was maybe home for like eight days out of that entire year. There was just a lot. There was, and I'll never forget this because I, (laughs) I fainted. I worked for three months without taking a single day off, working minimum 12 hours a day, most likely 16 hours a day. I just was so in it. Mm. And then I remember one day like standing up and I was so tired. I was so exhausted. I was so overworked and I wasn't taking care of myself. And I just stood up and I just like fell right back down. (laughs) And that's where I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I know my mind thinks I can because mm-hmm. I'm really good at just like going. Totally. And like not stopping until things are done. But I think now I just care way too much about myself to do something like that for another person. There was a point I said last night on the podcast too, but it is relevant. So I might as well bring it up. Yeah. A couple of years, uh, it was probably two or three years ago. So let's say like three years into my career. I show up at a listening point or at a appointment to show a buyer a property. The other realtor's there. Walk up to the front door. My clients aren't there yet. So I just say hi to her. She looks at me. She's like, you look terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's a nice way to say hi. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. She's just like, seriously, you've lost a lot of weight. I'm like, oh, all right. I didn't even notice. But it's just like in the middle of that grind, you just don't. No. Every day is a blur. It, it is by. though. But it's, and, and I get that sometimes you kind of have to like head down, get things done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that that's in any, whether you're working for yourself or you're working for someone else, it's yeah. just, that's the name of the game sometimes. Yeah. But the thing that I do think is sad about that, or certainly I think that about my own experience, is that I really wasn't, um, and like it sounds super cheesy and blech, I hate saying it, but like you're not really like absorbing what is going on around you. Mm-hmm. You're not taking a second to kind of appreciate what you're currently doing. For sure. And for me, I I was able to, I was fortunate enough to be able to travel to so many places and work. So, you know, I, I was able to like live in New York for a little bit and live in Toronto for a little bit mm-hmm. and live in San Francisco for a little bit. I was able to do all those like really awesome things. but. I wasn't even going out. Like yeah. I was not taking a moment to stop and appreciate the places that I was in or what I was doing. I just was so heads down focused, which I think is kind of sad. Like, don't you want to appreciate every kind of milestone along the way? I think you should. I think there's value in it, but I also like looking at my experience specifically, I don't think I'd be I am where I am today if it wasn't like that for three years. I don't think I'd be in the same position. I'm so interested in that. Mm-hmm. Because I want, I, and this, I think this is like kind of the question, right? Is, is it, a, are we able to have a balance? And I think even using that word sometimes balance is like kind of bullshit because yeah. is balance ever actually possible? But and are you mean, able right? to it's have- different to everyone. But are you able to have a certain amount of, I don't know, sanity or be healthy and build the career you want? Because I think where everyone is told right now that to have the career that you want, to be able to be successful, you have to like grind, 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 Mm -hmm. grind. Um, And I think, I don't know, like you're saying that, but we really couldn't ever know. Maybe you could have. But what, define healthy, what's healthy? Because I think what a work, work life 
balance. I fucking hate that term, but right, it is what I it is. I think everyone's sick of it. Come up with something better. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I didn't say yeah. where I was like sanity, <laughs> healthfulness. Yeah. <laughs> it it's something different for you than it is for me. Yes. And for Carl, right? It's totally different. So if I look back, I don't I like I don't really regret anything. And those create like for me it was probably three hours of or sorry, three years of sixteen hours a day times seven days a week times like ten months a year. Cause August and December are a lot slower for us in real estate, but January to June are just insanity. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy that I had that experience. To me, that was a really good learning Would you experience. do it again? Absolutely. For, if I Would said I do it for now? the next three years, you have to do that. Um, again. I could do it. You could do it. Would you, happy, would you be happy oh. doing it? At this point. I want to do different things now. Hmm. So like where I'm at in my career is me and my partner now have a team of six realtors. So like a lot of the day-to-day stuff is handled by other people. Mm -hmm. And I'm more just like overseeing sales, helping people through negotiations, all the listing appointments. So like higher level Mm -hmm. appointments and conversations. And so then I get to do stuff like this. Yeah. Whereas if I was in that again for the next three years, I wouldn't be able to do that. this. That's fair. I mean, and that's like, and that's why I think asking that question is even just, it's really fascinating depending on who you're talking to. For because sure. I very much agree that whole like balance and work life and all of those things mm-hmm. is very different. Mm-hmm. I also think too that like your experience, why you look back on that and say like, oh, I was totally fine to do that. I look back on my own experience because when I left that, I got health problems. Hmm. So that's where I was like, oh, like the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. <laughs> totally. I ended up leaving, um, deciding not to work in for anyone anymore. And I probably could have left three years sooner than I did. And I would have had the same skills that I had and less health problems. So like it's 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 so like situational and it's so based on every individual. For sure. But I agree. I think yeah, it's just different. I just like I started seeing things well, I gained a lot of weight, which was shit. See, this is what happens. So now, twenty nineteen goal, run or work out every single day for twenty nineteen. So I'm two hundred and eighty days in or something. So you're really okay, so I'm getting this I'm getting who you are now. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. We're we're putting the pieces together. What am I? I, you're obviously someone who just likes having a goal to achieve. Like you're very. I like having a challenge for sure. Which comes from your sports days. For sure. You're 100%. just like very much like set goal, achieve goal, set goal, achieve goal, mm-hmm. which is like fantastic. That's great. If like, if you know what motivates you mm-hmm. and that is like having the next thing on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. I could never work out six days a week. No, thank you. <laughs> I have like different goals at this point. But you have to understand, oh, I, guess, I guess like growing up was every single day basketball. But from 2014 to 2017, I probably worked out less than 20 times in three years. Like yeah. nothing. So I went from like every day to nothing to every day. 
which is somewhat psychotic. Isn't it? <laughs> but if you like, I, here's the thing though. It's I, therapeutic for me. It's it's see, meditation. This is why I I also am like Sarah. You should probably get back into doing those mm-hmm. things. Not for like any physical reasons, but just purely because I know that I'm a very type A person. Mm. I'm also very goal oriented. Yeah. And I want to, when I set out to do something, when I get fixated on something mm. until I do that thing, it's kind of like, oh, I don't want to do anything else until I do this thing. Yeah. And people are like, pace yourself. And I'm like, no, yeah. <laughs> pacing doesn't exist for me right now. Yeah. I'm going to do this thing. So, like, I get it, but that's one thing that I still haven't been able to is, like, get back into working out all the time and committing to it. <laughs> I don't know if it's healthy or not, and I was just thinking about this the last few days. Well, Carl, you can have your opinion if you want. <laughs> well, you, th- you think it's too much? I don't think physically it's too much. Yeah. I think um, I'm getting to the point now. So the first, I'd say, like, two or three months were challenging. There would be days where I'd wake up and just be like, I really, do I have to do this today? And I would just tell myself I'd do it. And then for the last six months, it was like so easy. It was just like a routine. Every day I wake up, have a coffee, I work for a couple hours and I go for a run or workout Mm -hmm. at like nine. And it was easy. And in the last, maybe it's since the, the, since the days I'm getting shorter and it's dark. Mm -hmm. Even in the morning, it's super dark. I, it, I'm almost having, I don't know if it's anxiety, but it's almost like tougher mentally to do it. But I know I'm so close to the end. Well, I'm not that close. I'm still three months away. But I'm so close you're to the winding, end of the year that I just got to do it. You're closing in on it. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like, and I won't do this again. I just need, <laughs> He's like, this one though. I just need no. to finish the year. I have to finish the year. <laughs> Otherwise, what was the point of the last 280 days? See, this is the fascinating thing, though. Mm -hmm. And I I get it because I think I feel that way sometimes Mm -hmm. about certain things. Mm -hmm. But I I think I'm also trying to get to a place where I'm like, look, Sarah, sometimes you set goals that you are so sure of that you are so raring to do. And then, you know, sometimes halfway through, you're like, fuck this shit. Mm -hmm. And what is the point of dragging myself across the finish line to say that I did the thing. Mm-hmm. And I think like th- sometimes we need to leave room for that to just say, no, I totally like, believe in not, that too. It is absolutely not fun for me. Totally. I totally believe in that. And one of the goals for 2019 was to do a hundred podcasts two a week. Didn't think that was that hard, right? Two week is a lot. I know <laughs> I'm learning that. That is this week. I had four. <laughs> How number. much research are what you doing? Today's Wednesday? Or Wednesday. Yeah, this is number four. Because we started a second podcast on sure. Monday. Sure. I'm getting <laughs> scraps what do you at mean? this point. Just the lowest of energy. No, I'm kidding. This is the best of the week. He's worked his way up. What is that? But wait, how much research do you do on every human that you speak to? Uh, depends how well I know them. I don't know you very well. I probably spent. He's not referred to the sheet, but once. Zero times. You're doing a good job then. But. <laughs> But I've brought up things that I like had read through your website and whatever, stuff like that. I listened to, on my run today, I went for a 47 minute run today. Listened to, yeah, I don't know why I had it on my phone. Uh, Your podcast with- uh, Lucy and Daphne? Lucy and Daphne, yeah. Oh, yeah. So just pick up, well, get to know you a little little bit better through those things. Mm. And so 
if I count all of that, maybe two hours. So but, do you anticipate the person that you're going to be speaking to in the sense of like, oh, okay, I know what this person's like. I know what I'm walking into. Uh, yes and no. I don't know if I anticipate. I more just like want to know a little bit about them. So when that you, I can talk about, I, even it'll just like, as I'm listening to your podcast with uh, Lucy and Daphne, I'm thinking of, as you're talking about a specific thing, I'm thinking about how I've dealt with that kind of stuff in the past or whatever. Mm. When you walk away from interviews, do you feel energized by them or do you, are you tired? No, I feel like so crazy energized after a podcast. Oh, well, they really, there you go. I'll go into them tired. Like yeah. today, I was exhausted Probably this didn't afternoon. Probably didn't want to fucking do the shit. <laughs> he was like, why in God's name did I say I was going to do night, Sarah? Last night, I asked Carl. I was like, uh, can I cancel? I was like, I'm tired. Do you think we can postpone tomorrow? Like, Give her a chance, man. Like, no, no, no. And it had had nothing to do with you. And it was more just like, I'm exhausted. This is gonna be number four this week. Yeah. Can, can I just ask her to do it in a week or two? He's like, let's just do it. And I'm so happy we did because it's amazing. This has been Carl. so much fun. <laughs> Shout out to Carl. But even like in the afternoon, I was exhausted. No, for real. No, I totally get it because to be honest, I even did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I say yes to almost everything because i really just love jumping into things blindly totally like i really i mean i don't know you i certainly don't know you either a few minutes ago you said you right pick me now now i could but it's like it's (laughs) but i kind of like walking into those situations but because i'm a yes person for the most part yes there's definitely moments where you know you're sitting at home you're like so <laughs> instead of eating my lovely dinner and watching Netflix, now I have to go talk to strangers. Yeah. I always end up loving it, which mm-hmm. is why I know that I'm a very outgoing person. But there's certainly interactions that you walk away from where you're like, that's exhausting. There must be interviews where you walk away and you're like, that took everything. Yeah. They happened more early in earlier in the year that we've been doing mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And recently it's more just like people I want to talk to, first of all. So I'm only reaching out to people that like I think is going to be really good. Mm. And so the ones that are not as good are happening pretty few and far between now. So you're getting better at it. You're getting more specific about the type. Is there a specific type of person that you like talking to? Because I I would liken that to even like clients that I work with, right? Like you want to know who you kind of jam with best. Totally. I love talking about entrepreneurship. So I like talking about people that are really passionate about what they do. I don't care if it's business consulting, real estate, owning a brewery. Like, it doesn't matter to me. We've had maybe five or six brewery owners on, which is pretty sweet because they usually bring like a dozen beers. He has a type. He has a type. (laughs) Lots of beer in the fridge. (laughs) I just like talking to people that are passionate. And those are the people that are easy to talk to. So whether they're athletes, like we had a guy that was in the CFL. Recently on, we had a, a woman who was on Team Canada cycling, mm-hmm. long distance cycling or short. It was track. a power. She power both cycling. short, short track. It was short. Short track cyclist. There's people who are like pumped about what they're doing. We had a guy who works with a CBD oil company who is just like really knowledgeable and obviously is like really passionate about the plant. That whole industry. It's crazy, right? It's we have another like girl coming on. Right? Fast. <laughs> it's terrifying. I know. I mean, but also, 
there's just so much money to be made. Totally. It wasn't until I did. So I did, I don't even know how long ago. Maybe this was like a year ago or something. Mm-hmm. There is, uh, what is it? They invest in different companies. I don't know much about these Venture things. capitalists. Thank you. Kind of like that, but um, specifically, obviously, for the cannabis industry. Okay. Um, and so they wanted me to come in and teach uh, a workshop. Kind of about like running your own business and uh, leading yourself and dealing with the stress of all of these things and da da da. They were like, come in and just do like a two or a three hour workshop for us for because they had like that that seed round or yeah. whatever, uh, like ten different people. So they were like, come in and do it. I was like, okay. So I was talking to these people, and it's it's like it wasn't until I kind of got in there and started talking to people that were in that industry that I realized first of all how much money was kind of on the line Mm -hmm. and was to be made. Um, But also how quickly rules and regulations were changing and they were having to adapt to all these things. Mm -hmm. Ugh, I really don't think that I would want to be involved in that industry right now. There's so much red tape even to just get licenses right now, right? But that's the thing with getting into anything early, I feel, right? There's always going to be doubt, always some kind of hesitation, questions, right? Yes. I feel you got to... A lot of bros, though. A lot of bros. A lot of bros. <laughs> a lot of bro science, yeah. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> there was. This is the thing, because this is the thing that I find absolutely <laughs> fascinating. So I don't know if you know, but so I put on a business convention with Lucy and Daphne, right? Yeah. Um, in September. September. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So obviously it's it's very interesting because, uh, fun fact, almost exclusively only women showed up to this. Hmm. And so they're like, oh, did you market it specifically to women? No, it's just, this is the thing that I find really interesting about businesses. Women are far more concerned about building community and relationships and fostering those kinds of environments and being in those kinds of environments. Whereas guys are far more likely to go to like venture capitalists and Mm -hmm. to like go for those big, big, big dollars. Just to go A A to B as fast as you can. Exactly. And women are like, but it's about community. <laughs> and guys are like, it's about the dollars. That's something that I, when I kind of stood back and looked at who was there, I was like, oh man, it's it's so interesting to me. Women just like aren't going for. What causes that? Oh, well, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> it really is though. Mm. I mean, let's be honest. I don't think that women are really, the amount of women there are that I've talked women to. women out there. Absolutely. And I would consider myself to be someone who, like, I thrive in negotiations. Mm -hmm. When someone wants to negotiate with me, I love it. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's talk numbers. I'm not scared at all. But I I certainly know that I am the exception in that. I think Mm -hmm. that most women are really scared to ask for more money. I think because that's just the way that we're brought up. I think Mm -hmm. that's just, like, societal conditioning. I think so many women are just taught not to ask for more. And I think that guys are kind of like built up. Is it is it an insecurity that they don't know their competitive advantage though? Or yeah. they can't articulate their competitive advantage? Or they don't know it, maybe. Yeah. Maybe they just think I'm, whatever, I'm a CBD oil company and there's a hundred, we're all the same. Yes. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think I even fall into that category. I mean, literally not that long ago, I was talking to my own coach. And I was saying like, oh my God, Vancouver is so saturated with people who are coaches. Like, 
ugh, what am I even doing? Yeah. And I mean, I loved what she said to me. She was like, Sarah, but think about it like this. Like, you would be so upset if your favorite Italian place didn't open up. But I can guarantee you when they wanted to open up that Italian restaurant, they weren't like, oh, well, there's like 9 million other Italian restaurants. We can't do this. Yeah. No, because everyone has their different take on it and their different spin on it, right? And I know that I have my secret sauce and that's cool. And I just like try and lean into that as much as I can. But I think that where women tend to excel, and I don't think that's like, ex- I also hate like gendering things because mm-hmm. like barf, but I mean, it's true. <laughs> like, let's not. But I think that historically where women can excel, they weren't necessarily valued. Sure. And I think that guys were kind of like, Yes, you're amazing. I've seen so many guys who have far less experience than I do, and they talk such a bigger game. (laughs) And I'm like, where is this false sense of security coming from? I would love to have that. That would be amazing Mm. to just blindly believe in yourself at all times. I don't necessarily know if that's true, but they certainly talk like they do. No, I think that's absolutely true. And it's probably even more true in real estate or like a sales environment like that, right? Yes. I don't know where it comes from, but to me, it's super easy to spot Mm. that blind sense of security. I think um, people who are able to listen are so much more attractive to me than someone who just spits information at your face. I I agree. Yeah, I don't know. But were you all, you don't have any, you don't have sisters, do you? I have three sisters. Oh my God. I have two brothers and three sisters. Whoa. Yep. You come from a large family. Where Even do you fall bigger in the than mix? You think. I'm number five of six. Oh. Second youngest. <laughs> <laughs> what are we laughing about? You're the youngest. I'm the second youngest. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did you like being that? Uh, I think it made me pretty competitive. Mm. What about you? I just have one younger brother. That's it. So you're the oldest. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by these things. <laughs> I'm the youngest, but I act like I'm the oldest. Can you make connections when, when people yeah. answer? Yeah. Are you kidding what, me? What comes Come out? On. What's the biggest thing? When you talk to, I think only ch- only children. Well, those are those like offshoot. Those are weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> They're th- because there's sim- there is absolutely similarities between oh, yeah. only children, and I never want. I hate like painting broad strokes across entire groups of people. Yeah. But I have noticed just in my own personal experience that there is absolutely like people who are only children. I think sometimes like people who are the youngest certainly like behave a certain way, which is usually like, pay attention to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, and I, I think that's very much true for myself. And I think like usually the oldest are like much more calm right? Yeah. because they've like had to deal with someone younger being like, pay attention to me. Mm. And they're like, I'm not going to get phased by this right now. I don't know. I just love learning about people. Mm, totally. I, so like, at the minute that someone gives me like any little thing about their upbringing or their childhood, I'm like, yes. Full analysis. Eh? We are putting the yeah. pieces of the puzzle together now. I love it. Having, we're growing up with five siblings. I feel like everyone just kind of blended in together. So no one really stood out. No. Kind of. They all have to have a different. Well, from my perspective, being number five of six. I think I uh, just never really got any special treatment, so I don't want any. And it, it makes me awkward when people comp- compliment me. Really? Yeah. Even with like sports or now business, I almost like shy away from them. And in the back of my head, I'm like, 
even like we talk about this all the time, sports growing up, someone would be like, you had a great game. And I'm like, yeah, but I missed seven shots. That's like oh, my first reaction. Absolutely. Mm. And I think it's more because of these goals. So big goals, I'm not there yet. I'm on like step three of a hundred. Mm-hmm. That's the way I think about like my career now. It's just like, there's a lot of things I want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So sure, I'm on some sort of track to get there, but not close to where. Do you I ever appreciate how far you've come? I'm doing it more now. What are you doing to do that? It's mm. a great question. <laughs> <clears throat> I think I just think about it more and I can positively think about it. Meaning be like, wow, it's pretty cool that we have a team of eight now mm-hmm. and we are in the top 1% of realtors in greater Vancouver. <clears throat> Five years ago, if you told me that that was a possibility, I would have told you you're an idiot. And it just didn't, like, it seemed like so far away. So it's cool. I'd say year two, I had a much better year than I wanted to, or even the goals that I set out to. Uh, But at the end of year two, I'm like, year three is going to be better. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like, oh shit, I just had a really good year. Whereas now... It's more like, it's really cool that we're at where we're at, but there's still a lot of steps that we want to take. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the blessing and the curse, though, of um, absolutely like doing anything for yourself. Is it's, There's always that whole, yes, and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, but what's next? Mm-hmm. So, like, you're saying that you acknowledge it. What does that acknowledgement look like for you? Like, are you ever celebrating those wins? like doing anything to celebrate them and not necessarily monetarily, but what are you doing to like fully kind of savor that moment? Nothing. Oh, not that I'm aware of, not like a specific thing. Would it feel better to do that? Would it be nice? I don't think so. I think it'd be awkward for me. Why? I'm just going to go out for drinks by myself and put a party hat on and light some fucking firecrackers or what? Of course you would think it would be that way. (laughs) That's such a traditional way to think about celebrating something. <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, like, you could do anything. Like, it could be like, I'm going to take, like, three days off work, or I'm going to, like, uh, buy myself a pair of pants that I want, or I'm going to, like, do whatever. And, like, that thing is to, like, in, an, in a way, an acknowledgement of me getting closer to the goal. I did try that a year a year ago. I said, when I get to this level of income for the year, I'm going to buy myself this really sweet watch. And then I got to that level of income and I'm like, there's no chance in hell I'm spending $5,000 on a watch. <laughs> that's a lot. So I'm not doing it. I would maybe, let's like take it down. $5,000, that's like, <laughs> it's like calm down. But okay. <laughs> because but I don't that even, was, but, but that's not to even. To talk about your idea. Yeah. Of like. A possession as like a reward. Not it doesn't really mean that much to me. So I was once I got to that point, it was more like I would rather use that five thousand dollars to save and buy an investment property or like you know do other things. Right, right, right. I hear what you're saying. It's not even from a monetary perspective. It could literally be just anything that would bring you joy. For the simple fact that I'm not saying this because mm. it's just like I love the warm fuzzies and I'm like mm, savor it. It's because. Literally, when you do take a moment aside from you just being like, dope, I'm, I've accomplished this thing. If you're like taking a moment and carving it out, your brain is re- like releasing chemicals that mm-hmm. are just so much more likely to propel you forward in totally. a happier way 
to continue that momentum that you're already building. Yeah. That's why create like starting off by creating smaller goals and slowly accomplishing those things, you build that momentum and your brain is releasing chemicals every time you're doing that, mm-hmm. that you're just like, I don't want to say joyfully achieving your goals because that sounds like something that like a really fluffy coach would say, <laughs> but you're just like that much more stoked on doing what you're doing from a literal scientific perspective. I think I've gotten pretty good in the last couple of years at like understanding when I'm exhausted and taking time off kind of thing because of being tired. Mm. But it's not a conscious thing of like, oh, I've had a really good year. I want to take a week off now. It's more just like I plan my year around a couple times of the year where I can take vacations because they're slower times of year, yeah. like August and November and January. <laughs> You're a real heads down kind of guy. I don't know. I mean, I get it. I'm, j- I'm also trying to be better at these things. Mm-hmm. I-, I can definitely get better. And maybe yeah. they, maybe it would help me. I don't know. I mean, it's scientifically just, it would. I'm not speaking out of my ass right now. I, I can you. send you some articles if you would like. I believe you. Great. I've heard other people say it too. <laughs> <laughs> it's just mentally like allowing yourself to do it. And yeah. I'm getting a lot better at that in the last couple of years. But at the beginning, it was zero. It was zero. Like I cannot take a step off the pedal ever. That sounds like fear though. Absolutely. I think some of the motivation is fear-driven. Oh, that's not fun. I don't know. It depends how you use it. If you use it in a positive way, I think it can be fun. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm medium about what you're saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just purely from the, like, <laughs> look, there's obviously no way to continue to move yourself forward and not be scared of the things that you're doing. Um, I just like I, that whole, I'm, I'm like on the fence about the idea of like using the fear to propel you forward or like to do those things. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'm scared, but I'm going to do these things, mm. but it's not propelling me forward. If anything, it's trying to hold me back, but I'm just acknowledging that it's there. I don't know if I'd I'm say gonna, fear, like, but like on. using a negative past experience to motivate. Mm. Okay. I don't know if it's a fear, like. Knowing where, when I got into real estate, I was working at a bank. Yeah. Which was terrifying. No. Why? I, it just wasn't me. Okay. I couldn't, I could never, I could never be a, yeah, I'm (laughs) super bad at math. Yeah. (laughs) I just, I can't, I can't survive in a corporate environment. Yeah. The ladder I get that. of like, you have to be in this job for one and a half years and then you can go to this job for two years and then this job for two years. If you're much better and you work harder than the person in this job, you should, I don't know. I believe in a competitive <laughs> atmosphere, not a uh, longevity atmosphere. Uh, so then I have <clears throat> to ask, I just like, I have to ask both of you, <clears throat> what are you like the most scared of? What are your some, some of your biggest fears? Carl? <clears throat> He's like, please don't make me answer this. Like life-wise or professionally? Both. I don't know. I don't really focus on I don't know if I've thought about it directly. I think um, financial stress is... Just not being able to afford your beer or your bills, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I don't like I don't really have a big fear that is terrifying to me. Like heights or spiders or anything like that. I don't know. I would say I don't know, maybe not achieving the things that I want to achieve. So maybe yeah. looking back and regretting that, oh, in in this year I took it pretty light. If I worked a ton harder that year, maybe I would have gotten to that goal. Regret is huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me too, I think. See, it's really interesting though, because a lot of what you guys are saying, I would venture to say that if you just like dug a little bit deeper, that there would probably be something that was motivating that. Like those things are like symptoms of something that's like a deeper fear. Well, for me, my dad ran sports bars and liquor stores for mm-hmm. like 30 years and went, went bankrupt six years ago. So I never want to be in that situation. So yep. I want to be much smarter with money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel like to get to the point of where I want to be, I need to work a lot mm-hmm. harder. Or need to continue to work hard. Yep. But I think that's part of the financial stress is like growing up, we were very middle class. Yep. When I went on one vacation, like one, well, with eight people, it's <laughs> really expensive. Your parents should have known that that's just <laughs> absolutely yeah. too many children. But I can remember <laughs> one vacation from the age of like three to adulthood to like 18. Went to Florida to Disney World. Disney World. Yes, I knew it. It's a classic vacation. <laughs> and my oldest brother missed it because he had just got married the year before. Oh. <laughs> so it's only the single kids were allowed to come. Oh, no. <laughs> Damn it. If he only held out for just a little bit longer. Right? Yeah. So I don't know. I think like growing up in that environment was not a bad way to grow up at all. Yep. But I think it's motivated me to want more opportunity. Mm-hmm. To when I have kids one day. I would love to be able to take them to Europe and like cool stuff like that and show them history and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I could see that my parents, looking back at the time, I don't know if I recognize it or not, but I could see that my parents had tough times financially at points in their life. Mm-hmm. And even just like looking back now, like walking with my mom through the grocery store and her like having the sheet of oh. deals out, you know, the flyer. Mm-hmm. And being like, no, we can't get that cereal. We have to get this cereal because it was 50 cents off or those types of things. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't want to be in that situation when I'm 40. Mm-hmm. Oh, my kid, my kid's not going to be spoiled at all though. I'm going to beat the crap out of my kid if he's <laughs> spoiled. But like, if he's like, dad, I really want Lucky Charms. I'll be like, all right. I'm not going to be like, no, you have to get this because whatever. I don't know. So those little things, I think. See what those things just like all inform us, mm-hmm. right? So like your fear of not making enough money comes from the way that you were raised or seeing your parents. And like, I mean, that's very true for me as well. Mm-hmm. Like I always thought that I was great with money because I was super um, great at saving. Yeah. It just turns out that I was like terrified of spending money. <laughs> just, I would just like hold on to it and I'd be like, it's never gonna come again. I can't spend any of it. And I mean, still to this day, I mean, I have people around me that are like, for the love of God, Sarah, you can buy the thing. And I'm like, nope. Nope. Do you take can't. stuff back? No. Oh, okay. I just straight I up don't so purchase it. I am so bad at this. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like that 
I'm trying to be better at those things because I realized I'm like, oh, that comes from like, I'm very much like my dad in that respect. My dad is like super um, scared of like money mm-hmm. not coming around again. Mm-hmm. So it's like. I'm not afraid to spend it. You think. just said you take things back. Oh, I do. Like personal possessions. Regret. I'm not afraid. Regret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. But like. I'll go out and buy like a work shirt and like two pairs of pants and I'll come back and I'll like look in my closet and try them really? on. Oh yeah. Huh. I'm like, oh, I don't really need these. Maybe I'll wait another year and then get some more pants. Like literally that's the See? shit that goes through my head. See Carl, we're getting to the bottom of this. Yeah. Who is this guy? <laughs> but <laughs> investment wise, I'm not scared. But I could you know why I mean? you would say that though. Because like you seem like a very like checks and balances, like numbers kind of like this logically like, makes sense. So I can tell my brain like the part of my brain that's scared i'm that thing like i could talk that thing out of it because look at the numbers on the page that makes sense and logically you didn't need those clothes so you went back well all right that was my first uh (laughs) problem solve counselor session (laughs) perfect and um i'm available for hire (laughs) (laughs) sarah will be switching careers tomorrow Going to get her. <laughs> this is why people license. hate hanging out with me because I'm always like, no, let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> They're I love like, no, it. I don't I want it. to talk about it. I'm obsessed with it. I just want to know like real life stuff rather than just, oh, how's the weather today? Yeah, superficial stuff is so boring. Isn't it? Yeah. Ugh, there's nothing worse than a surface level conversation. The Whatever. guy we had on last night, Manny, we're talking about networking oh. and how just the. Networking events are just such useless pieces of crap because you go and shake hands with 600 people and you know zero people's names at the end. Oh, yeah. But like part of the reason for the podcast, I just love this level of communication. So. That was the one thing. That was the one thing about doing a podcast interviewing other people that I was like, oh, my God, this is just like such a fantastic in. Yeah. To talk to people and talk to people that you. um like admire in one way or another where yeah. you're like, oh, I like what this person's doing. I like what they're all about. Um, I get to have like an hour. I mean, I'm sure we're, we're well over an hour at this point. Feel free <laughs> to tell me to stop talking at any moment. But like, that's the fantastic part is like you get this like uninterrupted time with them and you're, the, the situation is set up in, in such a way that you're requiring them to dig deeper. Mm-hmm. So you get to cut through all that stupid bullshit. For whatever crazy reason, it seems like people are so much more open just because this stupid thing is in their face. I had the opposite experience. People were really? like, oh, this is Did terrifying. Did you just clam up in front of a microphone? Yeah. Really? I had quite a few people, like as soon as I was like, and here's your mic. Wow. They were like, oh God, all of a sudden I'm very aware really? of- I found the opposite. The yeah. things that I'm saying. Huh. I even experienced that. Maybe because I was the one editing it. So I would listen mm. back and I'd be like, is that what I sound like? Oh, no. Because <laughs> That's no fun. I would never have a conversation this deep with, obviously we wouldn't have an hour and a half to do it. But like at a networking event, I would never have a conversation this in depth. I'd feel, I don't feel like myself. I feel awkward. I feel like I'm trying to, I'm putting on some sort of facade. Really? Because you only get, what do you get? 30 seconds to two minutes with people? Oh, I don't talk to those people anymore. If like, if, I don't if, even go to them anymore because they're I've useless. I stopped also. Yeah. Oh my God. It's the absolute worst. Hmm. I will never, when I launched my first company, when I had a partner, um, we went hard on networking 
And what stopped me was I'll never forget this. I went to a networking event and um, I was talking to um, this person and like I hadn't, we had not really said anything. And she was like, what do you do? And I told her and she was like, (laughs) I can't help you. So, and I was like, what? She was like, I can't help you. I'm like, I honestly wasn't asking for anything. I like, I, I came here to just purely meet people today just for the sake of relationship building, not mm-hmm. because I'm trying to drum up business, not because I need something from you. Literally just want to know what you're doing and what you're about. She's like, I can't help you. It's like, okay. And this is the end of it for me because that left such an awful taste in my mouth. There's nothing I hate more than a transactional conversation. No. Like I don't have time for that. I will have, en- I have endless hours for someone who's like, cool, this is what I'm all about. And I'm like, cool, this is what I'm all about. Who knows, maybe two years down the road, we can do something together, but I'd much rather just talk about what we're all about than what we can do for each other. Such a good learning tool too, right? It's, maybe I haven't looked hard enough, but the podcast has been a help with it. It's difficult to, for me to find people that think like me. So like a, a lot of my friends work, not that this is bad in any way, but it's just different than me. A lot of people that I know work nine to five and love weekends, whereas like weekends are busy yeah. for me. And so even the conversations about talking about getting through problems on a structure side of your business or whatever just don't happen yep. with that friend group. So how do you meet more people that think like you that are running businesses and networking events? I don't know, but I haven't had any luck with them. I so I only you starting a podcast. I only <laughs> go into people's DMs. Totally. I just like exclusively I'm like, oh, you seem cool. Let's go for I'm gonna take you out for coffee. Mm-hmm. And then I mean really quickly into the coffee date, I'm like or I'm like, yes. Cool new person that I know. Do you think Okay, put yourself outside of your shoes because I know you would be more open to this than most women in Greater Vancouver. Yeah. If I did not have a podcast, it'd be really difficult for me to randomly DM women on Instagram. I think it would depend on the way in which you did it. Sure. But I don't think, well, okay, wait, take me out of my shoes. Right. I Um, guess if you're, yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, like, obviously, I think the mistake that I see so many guys make, (laughs) um, because like there, there's absolutely guys that come into my DMs and say the dumbest shit <laughs> most of the time it ends up being something about the way that i look and oh, then God. it's like a business thing so i'm like well it's not really a business thing if you're commenting on the way that i look but like you dm'd me and you said like hey i i would love to have this conversation like sure. if 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 you hadn't been at that event and it was just purely you doing that the way that you phrased it it wasn't like i don't i don't feel like it had any kind of like I don't think I would have read any ulterior motive into it. Sure. I think that that's the problem, though, is most of the time there feels like there's this ulterior motive sure. and we're using your business <laughs> as like this like weird front for the fact that I actually just kind of want to hit on you. Yeah. But I could understand why you say that. But I And if don't... you don't have a podcast and if it's like, can I take you out for coffee? It's probably a little bit more intrusive. But if you said, can I take you out for coffee because I want to talk about X, Y, and Z, hmm. that's fine. I'm, I mean, I'm literally, a guy emailed me and was like, 
can I take you out for coffee because I want to talk to you about this? Mm. I mean, I'm not exclusively down to work with women and like I will work with anyone. Yeah. So as long as it's like, I understand clearly what you need. And then I'm in a position to say like, yes, I can offer you that. Or like, no, I can't. I think maybe for me, it's more just, I never want to be perceived as that guy. So, I think the fact that you're thinking yeah, about it exactly. probably um, is already like putting you in a place where you're not necessarily going to be perceived in that way. Because I yeah. think that there's probably a lot of guys out there who aren't even aware aware yeah. of the words that they're using and the way that they're phrasing things could be perceived in a different way. Yeah. I think it's always helpful to state up front why you want to connect with someone. So for me, it's usually like, oh, I love that you're talking about this so much. Yeah. This is what I'm all about. I'd love, you see, we seem like we have some similarities. I'd love to connect with you. And then it's just like, yeah, you leave the ball in their court. <laughs> it's funny that like I started with looks. Hey, Sarah, you're beautiful. Also, it looks like you're running a business. Can I take you for coffee? <laughs> you would be surprised. Why am I saying you'd be surprised you wouldn't? Guys are ridiculous. <laughs> They're like, I don't even, I'm not even going to repeat some of the things. <laughs> But you're just like, mm, nope, I think, no, no, no. I think you're fine, Denny. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, all I was getting to was the having the platform like a podcast may, has made it a lot easier for me. Yep. Just made it more comfortable because I can say I have a podcast and if people Google the podcast, they're going to see that it's it an actual cool. thing. <laughs> this is all a front. Yeah. <laughs> he gave me a glass of wine. Just he said sit down. No, <laughs> These mics aren't even plugged in. It's just, yeah. <laughs> You never said Carl was going to be here. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. There's a camera on you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it okay. is. It's handy, though. Should we wrap up? We probably should. Jesus. Okay. This is going to be your longest edit ever. That's okay. Oh, no. We've, we had one that cracked, cracked three hours. <laughs> what are we at? Almost two. Almost two. Yeah. Okay, let's get out of here. Your boyfriend's going to start wondering. <laughs> he's, on a, he's flying right now. Oh, is he? Okay. Yep. He, no, he's like, I don't know what she does. <laughs> he's like, I love her, I support her, I don't know what she does. <laughs> Welcome to entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah, neither do we. Right? Yeah. This is the beauty. Uh, this is the thing that I laugh at where oh, I'm like, yeah. when people ask you what I do, what do you say? He's like, ah, I know you're a leadership coach. Beyond that, I do not know. So I tell them to just go to your website or talk to you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> he's just got a stack of business cards of yours and he just hands them out. He's like, I don't know. Just We do it for each other. We're both like, cool, here you go. This is like what we do. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming, Sarah. That was yeah. a lot of fun. I think we'll have to probably do it again soon because uh, we didn't get through any of that. None of it. <laughs> I had a sneaking suspicion that you weren't going to. I'm curious to see what's on there. You have to wait till next time. But I don't. Yeah, I knew we weren't going to get to it. You even dated the page. I got a I got a stack of like 70 of these things. I thought it'd be cool to keep them all and then yeah. in like 20 years look back and be like, oh, this is what year one was I like. capsule that. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. This was actually really fun. I mean, I knew it was going to be fun, but. We told her to say that before the show. <laughs> <laughs> your, your compensation is on the way. <laughs> yeah.